Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Previously on Mentally Yours. I basically have found a way to sort of look after myself and I, I speak about it alongside the artwork that I make. Um, art has become a really valuable way for me to sort of channel the disorder and sort of shift it into something positive and keep my hands busy and occupied, um, particularly on journeys. So that's something that I guess I've become known for in recent years because I graffiti newspapers and give them away to passengers. And that's the thing that I graffiti the Metro actually every day. It's mentally yours from Ellen and Hi everyone and welcome to Mentally Yours, Metro.co.uk's weekly mental health podcast. While you're here, you should check out our other podcast, Good Sex, Bad Sex. I'm Ellen. And I'm Yvette. And this week's guest is Cariad Lloyd. She hosts a brilliant podcast called Griefcast. So obviously we're going to be talking to her about death, grief, and why we're so rubbish about talking about those things. You launched Griefcast um, a while back to have comedians on a podcast to talk about, well, grief yes, and death. I didn't think of a great name. <laughs> I should have thought something like, like, this is good, mentally yours. You've done well there. It's oh, sort of like it, it hints at something, but does But I was like, I was very pregnant when I launched it. So I was like, it's about grief. It's a podcast. Grief cast. That's <laughs> great. That will yeah. do. So yeah, I interview comedians about grief and death, but it's cheerier than it sounds. That's mm. what I always caveat it with, because otherwise it sounds like the most depressing podcast ever. <laughs> Why um, did you want to launch it? Um, so my dad died when I was 15 and I have spent my life since then talking about grief and death, uh, I guess, because we talk about on the show, I like I'm in the club and I got in the club quite early. So whenever it happened to one of my friends, I was sort of the person to be like, oh, sure, 
let me talk you through what this is going to be. Um, and so, yeah, about oh, actually, what was it? It's two years ago now. I just kind of thought, I wonder if this conversation that I normally have very privately, um, you know, in a pub somewhere, uh, sounds like I just go to pubs. I don't, I just meant like a social occasions. Um, it's interesting. So I just interviewed four comedians, first of all, like Adam Buxton, Sarah Pascoe, Jade Adams and John Harvey, who's actually a sort of producer, writer. And I just thought, well, I'll just put them up there and, and see what happens. Um, and I did. And it went quite crazy. Got an immediate reaction of people saying, wow, I haven't heard grief being talked to like this. And this is really helpful. And so then I felt like, oh, now I have to do it. <laughs> I've got to carry on. It's useful. Why do you think we're so shit about um, talking about grief? I think because we don't want to die yeah i think it's as simple as that like people don't want to die so they don't want to think about dying because that makes them sad and they don't want to think about the people dying because that makes them sad so i think we just put it all in a box and i read an interesting statistic the other day which may or may not be like completely true but it's something like in the 1940s about 70 percent of deaths occurred in the home and in 2014 it was like seven percent so Basically, we used to not be able to ignore death. I'm sure we probably didn't want to talk about it the same way as it makes you sad, but we, we couldn't ignore it. You would have seen a dead body. Your grandparents would have died in your home. You would have known someone who died. And now that doesn't happen. I just think it's easier to ignore. So I think we're out of practice and we've just got really shit. Obviously, you've had these conversations, like you say, with close friends and on the podcast and um, with people when they've just lost relatives. What would you say to anybody who has a friend at the moment who's just lost someone so the thing we talk a lot about on the show and my guests who have been through it and say the thing that they they wish people had done more is and it's so simple it's just talk about it the thing that really hurts is when people ignore it that's the the biggest thing and i hear this a lot Actually, i haven't experienced this so i must you know say that but people who've lost um babies either very young or in when they were pregnant it's people acting like it didn't happen mm. and i may imagine maybe that's easier with a baby because it, you know you didn't see it but with any death whether it was a, a baby a child a parent a sibling you just want people to acknowledge it and even if that's very clumsily done even if it's i'm so sorry i don't know what to say i feel weird but i'm sorry your blank died you don't mind people being clumsy. You, I think the thing that really hurts is when people act like it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. And then you feel like you're going crazy because you're like, did it? Did it happen? Because everyone's acting like it didn't happen. And you have to remember with grief, the whole world is getting on very normally. So when you leave your house, you know, the tube is running most of the time. People are going to their jobs, cars go past. So that feels really strange that the person you knew is dead and the world is still existing. So when your friends act like that or family act like that, it can be really painful. So just just ask, how are you really? And if they don't want to talk, that's fine. People are worried to bring it up because yes. they're scared that it'll make things worse or yeah. they'll upset them. How do you kind of deal with that? <laughs> I think the thing to realise is you can't make it worse. Yeah, It's worse. <laughs> like It's already the worst. Like there's something has died. You bringing it up might upset them. Of course it might, but they're already upset. They're already in pieces. They're already very sad. So if you say, oh, I'm sorry your dad died and they cry, you might walk away going, oh, I upset them. But actually, I think it's about reframing that. Like you gave them the opportunity to express some emotion. So it doesn't have to be negative of someone's crying. I think that's quite an English British thing of like, oh, they cried equals bad rather than, oh, they felt like they trusted me enough 
to cry in front of me and I was able to help them. And a big thing we talk about in the show is this idea of fixing. Like you don't have to fix it. You can't bring people back from the dead. You're not Jesus. They aren't Lazarus. So they're gone. So you can't fix it. There's nothing you can like make, you know, you can't make it better. But what you can do is just be there. So if you can just hold someone's hand, not say anything, just be present. Like that is sometimes all people want to not feel alone. And grief, its symptoms are very isolating. It makes you feel the same way as depression or, you know, fear, anxiety, isolation, all these things make you feel very alone. So knowing that your friend or, you know, a member of your family is just willing to hold your hand and sit there and stare at the same wall as you is a huge thing. And I think that's some people don't realise how little they have to do. Just while you mentioned Jesus, mm, um, sure. obviously people respond to death and have beliefs about death that are very different to each other and that can be quite a sensitive topic. How do you navigate that without offending anyone? Or I know if you're not religious and someone proposes a religious solution, it can be a bit jarring. Yeah, it's hard. <sighs> I mean, look, all respect to everybody. If that's yeah. what you believe and it makes you feel better, great. I think you have to be, I'd hope that if you were religious, you'd be sensitive enough to understand that if someone isn't, they don't want to hear phrases like, he's watching over you. Mm. He's gone to a better place. Well, you know, he liked the Beatles. So he'll be up there with John Lennon. Like anything like that is like, if you don't believe it, it's just so yeah, it's horrible. horrible it's like oh it's like someone saying the magic fairies have taken them um and not to be offensive that's just you know different views so i think if you are religious just be sensitive and if someone says something like that to you i think if you can and it's very hard because grief makes nothing rational so you may feel the impetus to just throw a chair at mm -hmm. them but just try and say you know thank you i appreciate what you're trying to do i just don't find that helpful and that's sometimes really hard. And I think also the other thing to remember is sometimes just walk away. If an elderly relative feels the need to say they've gone to a better place, just be like, mm, and then walk away. <laughs> like, mm, mm, is a good uh, answer for a lot of things, <laughs> non-committal noises. Um, and just try, I think the other thing to really remember is people will get it wrong and it's hard when you're grieving because you can be very angry and it can make you feel like why don't people know what to say and I think if you've ever experienced the other way of not being the griever and having to say something nice to someone it's really hard it's really hard to say anything useful at all so don't worry if you get it wrong like it's okay um but the religious thing I think just be sensitive as best you can well so you mentioned anger does that mean that the five stages of grief are a real thing that always apply <laughs> no it's really interesting the stages of grief came out of one book in the 70s and, and an interesting fact groundhog day is based on it he goes through what? the five stages of grief he's anger denial that's what they base the whole film on that's such a good i know it's a, it's a good tip isn't it good fact rather um so it's one person's view of grief. My experience of grief is that it is not that neat and linear. I think it's a really false, um, like a false dream to give to someone. The idea that you're going to go through five stages and then bing, you're done. Congratulations, you've won grief. It's not going to happen. You definitely feel anger, denial, depression, all of those things. But I would say it's just a constant washing machine of emotions. They come back round and that can take uh, a day you can feel them all in the day at the beginning a couple of years in you probably feel them every six months 10 years in you might get you know once a year you get this unbelievable rate like there's it does get further apart but you will feel a variety of things and there really isn't 
a right, a wrong, a correct stage. You know, don't be like, oh, I'm in denial. Did I miss anger? It's like, if you haven't been angry yet, yeah, you will be. <laughs> Just wait. It will come round and then you might deny it again. It's not, I don't think human beings work that logically. Yeah, it's not like once that emotion's done, done with it, move on to the next one. No one would say that with depression, I feel. Like depression, people say, oh, you know, it comes and it goes and it's this chemical thing. And grief manifests itself very in the same chemical pattern in your brain as depression. Now, obviously, it's a form of depression that is very clearly from something like I am depressed because this person died rather than someone who just has depression and there's maybe not a specific reason for it. But, it, you know, you wouldn't say to someone, well, don't worry, once you've gone through this in two weeks' time, you'll be fine if they were depressed. It's the same with grief. There is no natural timeline. Once you feel better, you will feel better. But who knows when that's going to be just keep going basically you've interviewed all different kinds of people for your podcast and your most recent one was from the u.s have you found it quite noticeable the different ways that people from different countries different places deal with grief yeah i think i've interviewed americans australians uh, obviously a lot of um, english british people i don't think there's a particular um nationality i do think certain religions so if you're brought up in a certain way, that definitely can affect how you grieve. So I've talked to um, Muslim people, Jewish people, Christian people, Buddhists, who can sometimes point out the ways that their faith helped them. And then often sometimes the way the faith then maybe let them down in different ways. So I think your faith system is is more, maybe not more of an indicator, but can just give you an almost description of how you're going to process it process it for example you know jews sit shiver and you know the, the muslims have their burial very quickly the same in the jewish faith so i think those things are the only things that really make a difference i don't think someone once asked me, asked me the question whether like men and women grieve differently but i think it's again it's humans like would we ask that question about depression or anxiety i think it's it's we're just all humans and when someone dies we all know even if you've not experienced it you know that's bad. You can imagine they are, They must be really sad. Mm. And that's it. I think it just depends on who you are as a person, really, how it affects you. How do you think kind of the silence and our awkwardness around death and grief, how do you think that's holding us back? It's difficult because I suppose sometimes the argument with mental health is like, talk, talk, talk. And that sometimes makes me feel a bit sorry for silence because <laughs> like, it's okay to be silent. It's yeah. not like that's bad. I think sometimes we're like, everyone should talk about everything and it is important, but I think it's okay to be silent and awkward. It's like whatever you want to do, if you want to be silent and awkward, find a way to do that. Just don't not express yourself, you know, because I think sometimes people who come on the show are obviously comedians and performers who want to talk about their grief or make shows about their dead parents or dead siblings. They're, they have this urge to talk about it. And sometimes I get emails from people being like, oh, I, I don't want to do that. And it's like, that's fine. Don't have <laughs> you to. Do. It's a weird section of the population that is doing that, but myself included. So I think it's not the silence. It's, I think it's politeness more than awkwardness. And I think sometimes, like we, we said earlier, the urge to be polite can make things worse so I've had an experience when I got very upset once and someone was like oh do you want to leave the room and I was like what why what's happening <laughs> they're like because you're sad and I thought oh they think they're trying to be they thought I must be embarrassed I wasn't I was like I'm yeah. fine to sit here getting 
teary and snotty like it doesn't bother me because that's the kind of person I am but I could see their heart was in the right place but it made me feel like I'd done something embarrassing like I'd like been sick on the table or something like it was a, a fluid that needed clearing um and I think that's the massive thing is like just don't be polite like if someone needs to shout and scream and cry and have snot all over their face or make that like weird honking noise that isn't really a cry like they might need to just do that and that's not to say it's it's not easy. It's not easy to help someone through grief. I will never, ever say that having having done it both sides. But yeah, I think you just have to let people do whatever they need to do as long as it's not harmful yes. <laughs> to themselves and others within reason. Or offensive to Canadians. Or offensive to Canadians, which, of course. you know, but they're such a good, they're laid back people. They're lovely people. <laughs> Obviously, with the podcast, you've been doing it for a long time now <clears throat> and you've been talking about grief sort of over and over again. Um, is it still... Is it still difficult, though, to fundamentally talk about your father's death? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wish I could be like, no, now I've done 33 episodes, I'm fine. No, I am, funny enough, coming up to a big anniversary, so it'll be 20 years, and I have found the last couple of recordings really hard. Mm. And it's been really a good reminder because I think definitely doing the podcast has made me feel like, oh, yeah, I'm cool about talking. You know what? I think I'm all right. And then that's the thing with grief. Smack in the face. And you're like, oh, I'm not all right. I just was all right. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't I don't think it, it hasn't got harder as such. It's just some days are easier than others. And I think, you know, like I'm 20 years in by all, you know, by all definitions, I should be in verticals over it. But I just don't think that's what I've learned. You just don't get over it. You just some days are better than others. Some years are better than others. And you just have to be kind to yourself along that process, I think, and not feel guilty like, oh, well, I'm 20 years in there too. They're allowed to be upset. I'm not. It's like, it just doesn't work like that. Again, like depression, you wouldn't say to someone, well, you had depression 20 years ago. Why has it come back? That should have gone away. You'd be like, oh, of course. You just feel sad again. That's okay. So yeah, I think it comes and goes. That's important to talk about. Like there's no kind of time limit. Yeah. I think a lot of people feel that pressure to be like, well, I've got a few months and then it's I have to move on. Mm. And it's really hard because, again, a lot of the religious ceremonies have time limits on them. Yeah. So a certain amount of grieving period and then you're done, which I totally see 2,000 years ago was probably really useful because you probably need to get back to it, get back to your job, have babies. But we don't live in that world anymore. And I think people really do put a time pressure on themselves because society will give you about six months and your friends... People who don't know you will give you about, you know, six months. Your friends and loved ones might give you a year. But then by a year, of course, people are like, oh, you still want to talk about it. <laughs> and that, you know, that's not bad. It just means perhaps you need to find different people. So I'm a big advocate of therapy, of bereavement counselling or whatever it is, CBT, whatever you want to do to find someone who specifically can talk to you about it because I think it can be hard for people around you to keep dealing with that level of sadness, mm. definitely. Um, and I just think, yeah, it, there's no limit on it. Like if you had a great relationship with your family member who's died, you know, sometimes it can mean you get over it quite quickly because you didn't have anything to resolve and you feel they went peacefully. Or it can mean it takes ages because you miss them so much because you got on with them so well. It, there's no rhyme or reason to how people grieve. It's, you know, the same way when we stub our toe, it all feels completely different. Yeah, I can empathise with you when I see you're like, oh, that really hurt. But I might not always be the best person to talk about it. So 
go and see someone who's good at stubbing toes. Do you ever have like a strong reaction from other people when you talk about your own grief and your own loss? Has it brought up stuff for them? Yeah, I mean, I think when they come onto the podcast, it's a bit different because they're obviously coming prepared to talk about it. But I think the the most reactions I've had in the room is when I've met people who also lost a parent at the same sort of teenage years. So there's an episode with Jack Rook, who's a comedian who lost his dad about 16, I think. And I've got one coming up with Tom Price, who lost his dad at a teenager. And then we had a kind of massive like, oh my God, yes, yes, me too. Um, or even then um, Amy Hoggart, who's a comedian who works a lot in America. She, her dad, Simon Hoggart, the sort of, yeah, was a famous comedian and broadcaster. He died of pancreatic cancer, which is what my dad died of. So we had a very like, oh yeah, me too. So there's always these like niches within the club. So we say like, I'm the dead dad club. Some people are the dead mum club, but I'm in the dead dad pancreatic cancer club, which is a much smaller room, but all are welcome. If unfortunately you've had to come to the club. So I think it's more when you find those connections because grief is so isolating. And because when I was a teenager, I honestly felt like I was the only person in the world going through this. So to find anyone who's like, oh yeah, I was a teenager going through that. I still feel like, oh, <gasps> oh my God, wow, I really thought it was just me. But like, of course it wasn't just me. But it has changed. There's a lot more charities now. There's a lot more people talking about it. So I do think it's better, much better than it was 20 years ago. It's just, as all things with mental health and, you know, gender politics, we just got, we've got a long way to go. We're starting from a quite bad place. So every little step is important and worth celebrating. If someone is experiencing grief right now and they maybe don't feel able to talk to anyone, what's a good step for them to take? Like, how can they get support? It's really hard. Everybody's different. I would say if you really feel you can't talk to a friend and I would really question that, I'd be like, really, like, is there someone you could text? I need you. Mm. Like, honest hand on heart, you'd be like, no one wants to hear from me. I think in most cases, there is always a friend and always a loved one that's like, please, please call me. Now, you might not want to talk to them. That's completely different. But know that I really believe everybody is loved and has people in their life who love them. But I'm sure some people will disagree. Mm. The internet is an amazing thing. If you can get yourself to the internet and just Google bereavement counselling, there are quite a lot of services these days. Um, So Cruise is a charity that offers free bereavement counselling or just go to your GP and say, this has happened, I need help. And they can often refer you for, you know, um, means tested counselling if you're, you know, if the finances is a problem, especially if you are specific with Google, I think it's quite useful. So there's charities specifically for, you know, um, children who've lost a parent to cancer or children whose parents have a terminal disease. Um, Child Bereavement UK is one of them, Grief Encounter. So there's lots of different resources. I think if you can be canny and, you know, get on the internet and find it. And also I found social media can be a really dangerous place, but I've also found obviously there's a lot of, you know, connections you can make as long as you are careful and aware of your mental health when you go on there. So I've noticed on my Twitter, there's a thing called hashtag baby loss hour. And I think it's on a Wednesday and it's lots of people who've lost babies talking about their experiences on Twitter for an hour. And they often tag Griefcast in because we had an episode with Lou Conran who lost a baby when she was five months pregnant. So lots of I see lots of people saying, oh, this is an episode to listen to. There's only one about baby loss, but there's other stuff about grief. So that's something like I had no idea of until I, I ran Griefcast. And now I will, you know, retweet it and, and try and get that message out there. Um, again, I haven't experienced that, so I don't know enough about that. But I think don't be afraid to 
search hashtag grief on Instagram as well. And um, I know that has a lot of um, different posts. I always post my um, grief class as an Instagram account that posts different things and, and different resources you can get as well. And it's just, just talk to someone. I mean, Samaritans, again, it's not like, don't feel they're not just for people with depression and anxiety, they're for people. And you can do online counselling if you don't even want to see someone face to face. Um, Adam Riches is another comedian who came on. He did, he was talking about that. He did like literally just, he sat in the bath typing to someone because he was like, I just couldn't face leaving the house and having to go and talk to someone. So there were so many options open. There is always someone, even if you, you know, for free or want to pay for them or you don't want to know them, there is someone out there who will help you. Thanks very much to our guest, Cariad. One of the things that sort of, I suppose, has been weighing on my mind a bit recently is, I think, first of all, it's amazing Cariad's set up the podcast to talk about grief and she lost her father at such a young age but obviously my own parents are getting sort of a fair bit older so definitely in more recent years it's been in my mind sort of thinking about should I be spending time differently with them or living my life in a different way so after I lose them I'm not thinking I should have done this or I should have seen them more that's sort of the same for my grandparents as well because mm-hmm. they're they're fairly fairly elderly um, my granddad recently had a stroke and that sort of shook the whole family. If you have grandparents, you sort of think, well, you know, obviously they're sort of fairly elderly, but mine are very sort of hardy. And my granddad mm. in particular was always the one who's out in the garden. And, you know, this thing with the stroke, it happened when he was shoveling snow. But I mean, you know, he shovels snow when they're like bloody 80. Yeah. But my granddad, because apparently he's such a, you know, hugely such a hardy man. So that's sort of really shaken me. And I think the whole family to the core a bit really... Um, I think it's when you start seeing like family members visible signs that they're getting older you suddenly click like one day they are actually going to die and that's a really scary thought and I'm not sure how to deal with that either it's hard not to fixate on it in a way yeah I suppose the main thing is just to try to live in the moment it's like generally things that I'm trying to continuously learn like with mindfulness and the meditation I do which is to just try and be in the moment a bit more because you know when you're depressed or um, you know, have mental health issues, you can generally, your mind's somewhere else. You know, you're you're very much not in the, the present moment. So I think I'm just trying to focus on when I am with my parents, when I am with my grandparents, actually being fully there. Yeah. And, you know, not having my mind sort of wander off to things that just don't fucking matter. Just actually, <laughs> you know, be right there with them. So I've got those two grandparents and I guess I'm really, I, there's another sort of part of me that just thinks, well, I'm really lucky to still have them. I've lost my other two. And um, when they passed, that was really hard. But at the same time, they had both had very sort of long and happy lives. Mm. And I kind of, I still get a kind of joy from looking at their photo. I mean, I get, I look at their picture pretty much every morning now on my windowsill. And I just think, oh, yeah, nan and, nan and granddad. And that's sort of, it, it still feels like they're there with me, really. Obviously, when it sort of happened initially. How yeah. old were you when that happened? When they died. Because mm. um, some people feel like it's very different when you're quite young and then as an adult, if your grandparents pass away. Yeah, no, it was fairly It was fairly recently. So mm. I was an adult. Um, it was only maybe five, ten years ago. Oh. Well, no, five years ago. Sorry. Yeah. In terms of, yeah, experiencing death like that when I was younger, something that sort of stands out for me was when I was at school, 
there was a really lovely girl. Um, she wasn't like one of my best friends, but she was a, you know, just a lovely girl. And we were friends um, and she died of cancer. That kind of hit everyone because that's we were all teenagers. Mm. I guess I must have been about 16 then. Um, and I, it's weird. I think as teenagers, you just kind of, it's almost like we just kind of ignored it in a way. Yeah. That sounds really heartless, doesn't it? But at the time, you sort of, we knew it happened but I don't think any of us are ready, ready to face it now. And now, I'm, but now I think about her now. It's, bit, it's a bit like my grandma. I remember her how she was as this lovely, happy person. And although she's not here, I kind of feel like she sort of is here because I can remember her. I haven't had like the same kind of experiences with, but all of my grandparents are alive still. But it is in my mind like one day they will die. And also for me, it's a bit maybe different because I have like obsessive thoughts of death like if people aren't messaging me or I haven't heard from someone about my mind will automatically go to they are dead and I think in some ways that's kind of desensitized it for me a bit like I think if you've prepared for people to die so many times in your mind it's not as weird or difficult to talk about have you lost any pets or anything I have lost pets which I did get very upset about and like a cousin and some friends of friends um but no one no human person that has been really close to me or anything so it's i'm i think honestly i'm kind of scared about how i will react when something actually happens mm. i'm worried about that in terms of because obviously i'm not particularly mentally healthy i don't know what you know I could completely spin out. Another thing that Carrie had said that sort of really stood out for me was like the way sort of people talk or don't talk to people who are bereaved mm. because I still feel like I was I was particularly shit when one of my friends lost her mother. Yeah. Um, and I either, I either didn't say anything or just said something sort of very short and very lame. But it's, it, was, it was really good to sort of hear like the main thing is to just actually say something. Like it's almost like you can't say a wrong mm. thing. You just sort of... That's massively reassuring <clears throat> because I definitely worry about saying the wrong thing because mm. my way of dealing with stuff is making a joke about it. And I'm always worried if I make a joke and they're not ready to hear that, that would be awful. Just allowing them to talk and saying something, that's mm. really helpful. Yeah, I totally agree with you about um, sort of not knowing what kind of mental state I'll be in. Mm like when I lose parents or grandparents though because exactly I mean you know we both had depression and sort of I do kind of think you know what's what's going to be like but I mean it's the future isn't it that's the, that's the thing like I'm, that's why I'm just trying to be more present generally yeah because there's no point like we only really have sort of now so there's there's you, you could kind of spend your whole life just worrying about things in the future or obsessing over things in the past so I'm just trying to be a bit more I think it's very easy to obsess over like everyone's gonna die <laughs> like as dark as that sounds and if you do obsess over that like it will prevent you from living mm. because you can't be doing everything thinking about well one day I'll die or one day this person will die mm. you can't live like that it will just hold you back massively so this is goodbye from mentally Mentally 
If you've been affected by any of the issues we've been chatting about today, please call the Samaritans on 116 123 or you can go to their website, which is samaritans.org. Thanks very much to our guest, Carriard, and to our producer, Sam Bonham. And thanks to Lucy Baker for the jingles. You can join us online. We have a safe space for chatting about different mental health issues, Mentally Yours, on Facebook. And we also have the Twitter Mentally Yours account, which is Mentally Yours with YRS at the end. See you next week. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.